everyone, I'm Poppy, and today our first Bible reading comes from Genesis 1, verses 24 to 31. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of this whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The second reading comes from Ephesians 5, verses 1 to 17. As it follow God's example, therefore... As dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For once you were in darkness, but now you are in light, in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, imagine if COVID struck 20, 30 years ago. Let's say the late 90s. How different our experience of lockdown would be, particularly when it comes to the topic of technology. I mean, imagine, right, you're working from home, and you've got dial-up internet, 
Remember the sound? Just praying no one would call the landline because the whole thing would cut. If you found a, a waterfall in your local LGA, took a photo of it, to send it to a friend, I mean, there's no Instagram in the 90s, you would have to email it to them. And that would take years. I mean, you'd email it and then it would arrive and it'd be line by line as it loads slowly. You go away for an hour, come back, see the photo, the computer would crash. Uh, even church online, imagine doing this 20 years ago. We couldn't. You know what church online would be? It would be this, a cassette. And you would drive to church, pick it up, go home, put in a tape recorder, gather around kids, and let's listen, right? That is what would happen. The, one of the things that I've been talking to many people, and one of the people I've been saying again and again, is how thankful we are for the time we're in with the technology we have when it comes to lockdown. I mean, we live in amazing times. I mean, imagine to explaining someone 500 years ago the idea of FaceTime, that you can talk to your grandma who lives on the other side of the world right then and there, and it's not magic, it's technology. But I wonder if you've ever stopped and thought about, what does God think about it? What does God think about technology? Whether that's the car or the thermomix or the iPhone. What does God think about our medical advances, our technological developments in all sorts of ways? As we continue our series of Meant to Be, looking at the doctrine of anthropology, what it means to be human, we're going to focus in on this topic today, technology, and see what God has to say about it and how it intersects with us as humans. Now, I did a quick word search of the word technology in the Bible, and you know how many times it comes up? Zero. Now, we might think, oh, that was easy. Cool, short sermon, let's pray. But no, before we jump to that, Ryan, the Bible actually has a lot to say about technology beyond a word search. So let's start with a simple question. Is God for technology? And we go to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis, to find the answer. In fact, the first two verses, Genesis 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Two words we need to hold on to. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Bible starts with the fact that God created this world, all of it. And He creates it out of nothing. He speaks, and it is. But then He takes this earth that He's made, and it form, He forms it. From the formless. He fills what is empty. He takes the land and the sea and changes it. He takes light and dark and fills it with the moon and the sun. He takes the sea and the sky and fills it with fish and with birds. And then he turns to his image bearers, mankind, and says, Continue this work. Continue this work of creating, not something out of nothing but creating something out of the stuff that he has made. And we see in Genesis 1, verse 28, God's call to mankind. He says this, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 
Now, that word rule doesn't mean you go up to your goldfish and say, hey, I'm the boss, right? No, no. That word rule is a, is a responsibility, that we have responsibility, an active person, a purposeful responsibility over this world that God has given us, to continue into the work that God has given us. And that word subdue in that verse is another word for steward, to form, to create, to develop, to explore, to investigate this world that God has made. And this is where technology comes in. Because technology, as a basic definition, is just reordering the raw material which God has made for human purposes. That's true whether it's a spade or a computer. And God is for it. God encourages Adam and Eve in it. He doesn't say to them, when it comes to the garden, leave it the way you found it. No. He says, cultivate this garden. Not just this garden, the world. Fill it, subdue it, steward it. Find its potential. And it's amazing how quickly Adam and Eve get to doing this work. Because it's not long after that they take raw materials such as soil and seeds and begin to farm. They take sticks and rocks to form tools. And generations to come, they train horses to carry heavy loads. Generations after that, they take animals and plants and create clothing and shoes. And later on, minerals are extracted from the ground, refined and purified to make metal and wheels and bicycles and computers and buildings. Solids, liquids and gases are extracted and refined to fuel big machines, machines that can launch us into space. All of this is technology. And it is good. Declared by God that it is good. And if you need more proof that God is for technology, it's interesting, where does the Bible begin and where does it end? It begins with a garden and it ends with a city. As Revelation 21 verse 2 says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, and it is paved thick with crystal gold. And we, friends, find ourselves in the middle of this story between a garden and a city. God is not anti-technology. He is not anti-reordering the raw material which he has made for human purposes. But, I know what you're thinking, but, right, technology is also used for bad. And I'm not just talking about that three-hour PowerPoint presentation, right? All of us know the good but also the bad that technology brings. I mean, you take, for example, the Industrial Revolution. It brought about machines that washed your clothes for you, a box that heated up your food in a microsecond. And yet it also brought about global warming. The internet exposes to a wealth of knowledge and opportunity. Google Maps will take you to any place on this earth. And yet it will also take you to some of the darkest and most evilest of places as well. Why is all technology a mixed bag of good and bad? The answer to that is found in Genesis chapter 3. Because there, as Adam and Eve rebel against God, they rebel against not only God's command to rule creation, but then they turn to God and say, I want to rule you too. As it says in Genesis 3 verse 5, the temptation is, 
to take the fruit because you will be like God. And that problem continues today in us because it is us. When it comes to us and God, we are not victims. We are rebels against God. We take good things that God has made and we rebel against Him, dishonor Him and hurt our neighbor. And that is why technology is a mixed bag. Because it is simply reflecting its creator, us. And we are a mixed bag. It's a mirror upon the human condition. And the human condition is this. Yes, we do good because we're made in the image of God. But we, because of sin, rebel against God and do all sorts of harm and evil and wrong. Let me draw this together. Technology. It can't simply be rejected or demonized. Because it's a gift by God, commanded by God. But it cannot, on the other end, simply be mindlessly accepted and naively used. Because technology is not necessarily neutral because we are not neutral. So we live in this tension. This tension where technology is good and it's bad. It's helpful and it's harmful. But to be honest, most of us get that, I reckon. Even if you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian watching this, you get that, right? But often we just sit there with that technology is good and it's bad. But Christianity doesn't stay there. Because we acknowledge it's good and it's bad, but also Christianity is into the redeemed. Technology must be redeemed for the glory of God for the good of yourself and the good of others. Now, how does that happen? Before we get in practical things of what does redeeming technology look like, come with me on this thought experiment. Many, many years ago, a bunch of Italians over a bottle of red were discussing the problem of crime and political instability. And one of the guys piped up and said, you know what? We need a sign, a visible sign to deter others, to fix this problem. Another guy at the table said, well, here's a thought. How about, how about we get two bits of wood, nail it together, and we take some more nails, and we actually nail the criminals who are doing the wrong thing to it. And then we take them down. Another man at the table said, that's a good idea. But how about we leave them up there for not just a day, but for weeks. That will be a sign to others say, don't mess with us. Now, I don't know if the conversation happened like that, but somewhere in the Roman Empire, a conversation did happen where they got together to birth the idea of crucifixion, which is a form of technology. Basic as it is, it's the reordering of raw materials for human intentions, but it was not good intentions, was it? And what's amazing is that God sovereignly watched over that conversation, that idea, and that idea turned into reality. As he saw trees that he had made turned into planks of wood, minerals that he put in the ground, extract and refine, turned into metal and to nails. And then image bearers that he had made hung on cross after cross after cross. But God not only just watched it, 
But through Jesus Christ, he experienced the very worst of our technological designs. See, the Romans created the cross, but little did they know the creator of the world would experience it. Now why? Why would Jesus Christ experience the worst of our technological advances? One word. Redemption. As it says in Galatians 3 verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. See, why Jesus went through that was because he knew we would take technology, we would take the things that God has given us and do all sorts of horrible things. He knew that you and I, when it comes to the technology that's been given to us in all sorts of ways, we would use it in God-dishonoring ways and harmful ways to others. That we would take our phones and computers and look at images and lusts one after the other. That we would troll and take words that God has given us and slander others in harmful and hurtful ways. He knew that we would covet and yearn from what others have. We'd love their looks, their approval, their stuff, their likes. And we find our identity in that, that we would waste hours of time neglecting responsibility of work, of family, and of prayer. He knew that we all would use technology in horrible ways. And so Christ came on a form of basic technology to redeem us. We are a redeemed people because of what Christ has done. As it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved you, loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Friends, we are redeemed, full stop. So we want to live as redeemed people in all areas of life, particularly when it comes to our use of technology. Now, I'm going to get practical for a moment. I want to focus on the piece of technology that is most dominant in our lives, in our culture. And I'm not talking about the air fryer. I'm talking about this thing, the smartphone. And how do we go about practically redeeming technology, redeeming our smartphones for God's glory, for the good of ourselves and the good of others? Now, why I've chosen this... Well, It was interesting, someone rewrote Psalm 23 to highlight why this smartphone is a problem in our life. Let me read it to you, it's quite clever. They wrote this, My smartphone is my shepherd. I still want more. I stare at it in green pastures. I text instead of looking at still waters. It drains my soul. It leads me to the paths of unrighteousness for the app's sake. Ye, though I walk through the valley of no likes, I will not fear. For my smartphone is with me. Snapchat and Instagram, they comfort me. My smartphone prepares a fake world for me in the presence of reality. It anoints my head with secular humanism. My discontent runs over. Surely laziness and comparison shall follow me all the days of my life. And I dwell in the cyber world looking down at my smartphone forever. 
It's scary how accurate that is, isn't it? Now, when it comes to our phone, as someone said, it is a great servant, but it is also a horrible master. We are called to rule creation, but so for many of us, our smartphone is ruling us. I mean, let me just be honest. How many of you have touched your smartphone in the course of church online already? I want to give us two biblical truths that we need to know if we are going to redeem redeem smartphone. The first truth is this, bodies. When God made you, he made us bodily creatures, flesh and blood, and that is declared good. When Jesus died on that cross, he broke his body to save your body. As 1 Corinthians 6 says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And later on, Jesus is coming back to give you new resurrected bodies. So, bodies are good. Created by God. And face-to-face interactions with another body is a very good thing. Even in the biblical times, they knew this, right? In 2 John 12, it says this, I have much to write to you. So, pen and paper basic technology, but I do not want to use pen and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. See, John knows that this form of technology, pen and ink, is a good thing. But face to face, body to body is far better. Better for what? His joy, their joy. And what's interesting is, I mean, we know this all the more in lockdown. Why is it singing through Zoom is not the same as singing with people in the same room? Why is Google Chat not the same as a chat with someone in the park? Because we're bodily. We, we get a joy with interacting with other people face-to-face that we can't get online. And it's interesting. Our interactions with other people as bodily people changes us. You can have two people in two different scenarios, right? Uh, the same person, let's say they're in a car, both of them in a car, and one cuts the other off. What do they do? They swear, they give the finger, they yell, they get angry because they're in a bubble protected by metal and glass. But if those same two people were walking down the street and accidentally pop, bumped into one another, shoulder by shoulder, what would they do? Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, I didn't mean that. You're good? Yeah, okay, cool. Because the closer we are to another body, it humanizes us. And the problem with technology is it disconnects our body from our thoughts and ideas and what we see. And it can disconnects us from other bodies. And there's a problem here because the problem is what it means to be human is to have a body. And we're not, when we're engaging too much in a world where we don't have body, we become inhumane. And that is why you and I find ourselves, when it comes to the online world, saying things that we would never say face to face. We are more aggressive, more rude, more mean on the online world because we can't see the person who we're speaking to. We can't see their reactions, their hurt, their tears. 
when engaging in debates or discussions online, we often find ourselves, no, 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 that's not what I meant. You're not listening. That's not what I meant. Why? Because we're not hearing their tone or they're seeing their eyes and facial expression. It takes face-to-face to agree, to empathize, to reconcile. Online, we treat people as objects, particularly in the world of pornography where we view things that you would never view in real life. You would walk out of the room, but so detached from reality and literally other bodies that what we know is evil we treat as normal because we're making people into products and not treating them as a person. Now, as I uh, I want to acknowledge, some of this stuff is entering into the space of addiction. And can I encourage you, on Monday, the 23rd of August, Betsy Rogers, our wellbeing and care director, is going to do a live stream event looking at the topic of addiction. Addiction in all sorts of ways. I've heard a bit of it. It's brilliant. Highly recommend it. That's happening Monday, the 23rd of August. But what I just want to highlight here is this simple truth. The more you spend away from other bodies, the more it changes you. Technology is a good thing, but it is not everything. When you are engaging in discussion, debate, giving feedback online, whether it's an email or or social media, face-to-face is far better. That is why FaceTime is better than Facebook. I know for some of you, you know, it's sort of their FaceTime, you'd like it to be less up their nose and more of their face. But at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is make the conversation, steer the conversation to another face, a real person, whether it's over the phone or even over a coffee when lockdown lifts. Because what you're doing is honoring the way God has made us with bodies. And in the process, you're more likely to honor them. But some of us, that might not be our issue, Facebook debates and all that kind of stuff. But some of us dishonor others in more subtle ways. At the end of the day, social media is good, but we want it to support our relationships, not dominate our relationships, right? But for a lot of us, it unintentionally does dominate because when the phone is here, we're creating a bubble and it's making other people stay out there. And so can I encourage you, almost a challenge, for those in your life who are close to you, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your roommate, whether it's your friend, family, children, invite feedback and ask them, can I say, how am I going with my phone use? Because if you ask a question like that and listen carefully, you're getting a taste of what life is like on the other side of you and your phone. So that's the first truth, the body. The second and final one, biblical truth that we need to know when it comes to redeeming technology is time. God has given us a certain amount of time on this planet. And technology is brilliant at making things efficient. I mean, with online shopping, online banking, online uh, video streaming, I mean, we've saved hours when it comes to our time. Even, you don't have to look up an encyclopedia anymore. You just stand there and say, hey Siri, what's the capital of Venezuela? I mean, you don't have to move, right? We have saved so much time, and yet, ironically, Some of us have wasted all that time by just scrolling and watching YouTube. You know that experience where you think, oh, I'll just just go on my phone for two minutes. And you look up, you're like, 
It's been two hours? You know that experience? Ephesians 5 verse 15 is a very helpful verse. It says this, Be very careful. I love that word, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, brothers and sisters, be wise at how we use the time, the minutes, the hours, the months. Use the time, make the most of every opportunity. And the, but the reality is, friends, apparently the stats are you spend about three hours and 43 minutes a day on this which equivalates to about 50 days a year. But you know what? It's not stats like that that will change us. It's the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which God wants to grow in you, is the fruit of self-control. That you can control yourself and your own actions. The question is, do you control your phone or does your phone control you? Because the Holy Spirit wants to grow you in this area. You take, for example, notifications, which really should be renamed interruptions. Bing, hello, bing, hello, bing, hello. You have a choice. Do you turn them off or do you let the phone dictate? Because a simple thing like that, by turning them off, is you growing a sense of self-control, saying, actually, I control when I look at it, not it control me. When it comes to video gaming or spending time on social media where the hours just slip away, bring the time into your use of technology by setting an alarm, half an hour, an hour, so you can use that time and then ding, you're aware of how much time and you can steward the time well and control it, not be consumed by it. Even sleep. God has made us creatures that need sleep and that is a good thing. It highlights we're dependent on him. But 89% of us apparently say technology impacts negatively our sleep. And your phone is like an overly dependent friend. It will say, I need to be with you of every moment of every day. Don't let me go. Don't move me outside the room. But friends, one of the ways you grow in self is actually, I don't need this thing with me of every moment of every day. I don't need it to be the last thing and the first thing I say. You can put it outside your room in growing in self-control. Two years ago, I did this, and friends, let me tell you, it was liberating. They say, I control it, not it controls me. We have been given a certain amount of time on this earth. And at the end of the day, as God's children, God, we'll give an account for the way we've stewarded the money, the gifts, the talents, but also the time that's been given to us. And we don't want to stand before God and He says, what do you use the time for? We don't want to say, well, I did this for most of it. We want to aim higher and use our time for God's glory and the good of others. Let me conclude. Brothers and sisters, technology, in all its shapes and forms, is a good gift from God. We must be thankful for it and praise God for it. But it all comes with responsibility. 
to look after, to steward it well. That has been the call from the very beginning. So every time you get a new device, a new upgrade, a new technological development, we don't despise it, but we also don't simply accept it. We ask, how can we control it, not it control us? How will this help me to love God and love my neighbor? If you can't do that, it ain't worth it. And we remember all the time that we are designed by God for community, with bodies, that our time is limited. And in light of that, we want to redeem technology for God's glory and our good. Let's pray. We praise you, Lord God, for the way in which you have blessed us. Blessed us with this world. Blessed us with the declaration that we are made in your image. And blessed us with an abundance of opportunity to be creative in this world that you've made. From the simple to the complex, Lord, the technological advances, you, they are good and they have blessed us in so many ways. Blessed us as we live in this fallen, broken world. And we stop and we just want to praise you. Praise you that even this prayer that I'm praying is beamed to many houses around this city and the world. And we just stop and praise you for that. That it can happen. But we ask, Lord, that we would steward and continue to steward the technology you've given to us. That we would use it to honor you to bless others that would be a help, not a hindrance. And we look forward, Lord Jesus, to that city, that new Jerusalem, that holy city, where everything will be perfectly redeemed all the time. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. Amen.